from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos draft reaction podcast. Ben Grant joined as always by JB. And the it's, I know it's the middle of the night, JB. The draft just wrapped up. And I, I'm looking at these picks and I think for what is now the was it fourth year in a row i feel like the argos have nailed the draft once again yeah it looks pretty good i mean i was more excited last year to be honest but uh you could easily make the case that uh you're looking at uh, three or four of these players being contributors this year um and a couple potentially in a year so I think if you can come out of the draft feeling that productive, you're you're doing a good job. And we're going to analyze these picks for you, give our immediate reaction to them. There's also some interesting stuff that happened in the draft. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our title sponsors, Something in the Water Brewing. JB, you and I are both beer fans. We're football fans. And Something in the Water Brewing is a way to combine both of these interests of ours because they're located in Liberty Village, first of all, just a few steps away from Lamport Stadium where the Argos practice and just a stone's throw from BMO Field as well. So they're a great place to go to uh, before the game, after the game, a great place to pick up beer and they have great beer, a great selection. It's it's constantly rotating as well. They have a number of what they call curious beers uh, and I highly recommend that you check them out. You can go to their website, Something Brewing ca and look through all their stuff including something that will be re-released a little bit later on this year uh longboat which is a sort of a toronto argonauts themed beer and there's a great story about how that came to be involving darius bladek and a chance meeting we'll tell you all about that down the road but something in the water our title sponsor we're so happy to have them uh, on board and jb i'm so happy to be drinking one of their beers here because this has been a long process. I I start this uh, scouting process early in the year. I went to Edmonton for the combine. I've spent months going over this and to be finished now where I no longer have to think about the draft. I'm just going to enjoy a, a, a sip of this beer because I feel like I feel like I've earned it to this point. <laughs> you, you definitely have. I wish everybody that I had analyzed and watched filmed on uh, were, were picked by the, the Argonauts. But at least there's at least there's a few guys we can talk about. We've got uh, eight picks. Um, let's get into it. And maybe before we get into the analysis of that first one, JB, not having you talked about this maybe not being as exciting as last year's draft. And I think that's because they didn't have a first rounder. And we talked last week about how that was the correct decision. This wasn't as strong a draft class as we've seen in years past, but it did sort of feel like there was a little bit of momentum missing when the Argos don't get to pick until that second round. But there was still a lot of talent on the draft board heading into that second round. It didn't feel like the Argos had missed out on a first round pick. Uh, well, I had hoped that we, they were going to draft my offensive lineman uh, who was available at the time, but uh didn't did not come to pass. They they took a flyer on a on a on a guy heading to the NFL camps. Um, yeah, it, it was an interesting you know first fourteen picks. It wasn't it wasn't all chalk as is often the case with the CFL. Um, but you're right. It, you know, look, I'm happy with 
with the trade we made. I, I wouldn't want to, uh, you know, change that for having a first round. But it does take a bit of juice out of out of kind of being excited for the for for the for the draft. Um, but uh, you know, I'm 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 happy with the the cho- you know the choices they made. And coming up to the Argos pick, well, this is where it got kind of interesting because as the second round hit, and there's so many guys on the board, the guy that I had as number two overall, and that's uh, Saruman Harrison Bagiogo. Bagiogo is a shutdown man corner, played at Guelph. He's actually had a an NFL camp invite too with Kansas City. And so there's recognition here that he is an excellent player. Now, mini camp invites don't typically turn into much. And so I don't think that hurt his draft stock at all. But he was still there as the second round got going. And I thought the Argos were going to have to make a tough decision. I personally don't think they would have taken him at 16 if he had fallen. Because the problem is, even though I had him as the second ranked player on my board, the way the CFL works with national designations is you almost always want to do it by position. It just makes it way easier for substitution packages. So that what I mean by that is you always have, let's say, your safety as a Canadian position. And that way, if Royce Mechie gets hurt, the backup to him, whether it be Sutton or Haggerty or whoever, is also Canadian. So you can fill in there and not have to worry about juggling other players around. So typically teams do like to designate spots as Canadian. And the problem is if you've got Bagiogo there as your outside corner, I'm not sure like Sutton maybe, but I, I don't think the Argos have another corner, another Canadian corner they were comfortable with there. So I'm not sure they make that pick anyway. And that would have, that would have stressed me out. So I was almost glad to see BC pick him. And I was certainly glad that he didn't end up going to another team in the East, but he is a heck of a player. So by the time it got to Toronto's pick, the decision they had to make was which receiver. All the best receivers in this draft were sitting there for Toronto to choose. And the best receiver, the most talented receiver, in my opinion, is the guy they picked in Jared Wayne out of Pittsburgh. But he wasn't the top receiver on my board. I had a couple guys ahead of him because there's a chance that... Jared Wayne doesn't end up getting to the CFL this year. He's signed as an undrafted free agent with the Houston Texans. JB, why is this worth a gamble to take Jared Wayne, even though he may, you may not even see him this season, or maybe it's later on in the year? Well, I mean, I think that when you when you look at what he signed, he didn't sign a huge deal with Houston, so... You know, I think it's 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 a worthwhile uh, risk. I, I, I mean, I think it probably speaks to there wasn't anybody in the draft that they thought could um, immediately make the roster. And so, you know, it's the advantage of being a pretty rich team. We talked about the roster is is in very good shape. And so I think it makes sense to to try and add a premium player, even, even if he, if you don't get him this year, even if you get him uh, next year, I think that that's still uh, makes more sense than adding somebody who, you know, who potentially is going to be, um, you know, uh, the, the 50, you know, the, the, the last person on your, on your roster. Um, you know, he, he's a great receiver. I, th- I think he's going to be a great CFL receiver. I don't think he's going to make an NFL team. 
Um, so I think they looked at that and, and agreed. Now he has the name, and that matters in, in NFL circles for sure in terms of bloodlines. Um, but I don't think he's going to make an NFL roster. I, I don't think he's going to make an NFL practice squad. Um, I don't. I just don't think he is an NFL player. But I think he's going to be a terrific CFL player. So I think it's a great choice. Yeah, I agree with you. And he's just lacking that little bit of speed. I think he was just slightly faster. I think he ran a four six five. But he's he's a big receiver. But at, at six three two ten. But yeah, the four six five for NFL. That's that's usually looked at as as too slow. But they were obviously impressed with what he did at Pittsburgh. He he was an outstanding receiver at Pittsburgh. Now, how he translates to the CFL, you can kind of do anything with him. He played mostly outside at, at Pitt, but he's got the body type that you typically see from your from your R and your Y receivers in the CFL, depending on the system. The way Coach Dinwiddie plays it, uh, that's typically something you'd see from your, your inside receiver, your R receiver. And so that is an option, but he really could play anywhere to the trip side. So there's all sorts of possibilities. And just before we get a bit more into him, though, I think because I did have a lot of people in my Twitter uh, DMs asking why they didn't take Clark Barnes there. And to be clear, I think Clark Barnes has the potential to be an excellent CFL player. I know a lot of people uh, have compared him to Keen Schaefer Baker just because they were both from Guelph, um, both outstanding uh, university receivers. And, you know, he he. he is electric and fun to watch, but he's not quite the same as Jared Wayne. Jared Wayne, I think, is so much more a certainty if he comes to the CFL. And so if he never arrives, if if Jared Wayne never gets to the CFL, if he has a long NFL career, the Argos will be criticized, I think, for this pick, especially if Clark Barnes goes on to do great things, which he, which he may. Um, he's a gifted receiver. But I think given the choice between those two, it's so exciting to be able to take Jared Wayne, a guy that I think most people thought would get taken in the first round. So I, I personally like that gamble a lot. And I know you, you're usually on board, like you said, with with the lottery ticket process. And yeah, Jared Wayne yeah, is a uh, heck of a lottery ticket. I think especially when you look at who they didn't pick, uh, there's certainly nobody, um, you know, there's nobody that I was really banging the table for at that position um so i you know i think that that it makes sense I, i'm not upset because you know to play devil's advocate he you know he did sign with houston and houston is not a terribly talent rich team and it is run by nick cesario former patriot gm who um you know has the long-standing uh, tradition of signing undrafted free agents who become key contributors so uh, he does have things in his favor in terms of signing with Houston, but I I, I like the choice. I, I I couldn't get mad about uh, about not choosing someone else because if he does come to the CFL, he, you know he's going to be a ten year player. And even though you they passed up on Philip Grovic, who <laughs> I know you really wanted on the on the O line. I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I I, I liked. Yeah, I, I like that he did one thing really well. I often look for that. Um, if if there's not necessarily somebody who's who's really a great fit, um, I I liked his running. I liked him as an extra lineman. If you want to run behind an extra lineman, um, yeah, and you look at his tape, it's fun. I mean, you know, you don't often say they have an offensive line prospect, um, but I can 
I can understand the, the the offensive line room is pretty full. I, I think from a from a a, a team point of view, th- that choice makes more sense than you know than mine, or at least I I can see the argument. We're going to get into the Argos' second pick, their third round selection. But before we do, I want to tell you about Etobicoke Toronto Rise Flag Football, our sponsor for this segment. They're powered by Under Armour. Registration is open for the spring flag football season for all players from kindergarten through to grade 12. The season starts this weekend. It starts on May 6th. It runs all the way through June 24th. Teams can qualify for the provincial championships held in Georgetown. That is a really fun event. I've been to that a couple of times. And there's also an, uh, an all-girls flag football program that has been added to Etobicoke Toronto Rise Flag Football. If you want more information about that, you can find all the information you need on Etobicoke Toronto Rise Flag Football at uaflag.ca slash Etobicoke. That's uaflag.ca slash Etobicoke. Or you can find them on Instagram or Facebook. All right, JB, let's get to that next pick. Now, I'm sure, JB, you were tuned into my Three Down Nation uh, live uh, broadcast appearance. <laughs> uh, I joined uh, JC Abbott and uh, Justin Dunk. Had you... I, as you know, I am a faithful Three Down um, listener. Yes, and uh, and you can also find our, our podcasts on Three Down Nation now, too, which is an added bonus, just an extra place to find the X's and Argos podcast. And but, as you know, I am a faithful uh, listener to the X's and Argos podcast. Yeah, I don't think you've actually listened to one of our podcasts, JB. So thanks for helping our numbers out there. But on the, on the live show, uh, I did predict that Toronto would take a receiver with their first pick. And I also predicted they would take a long snapper with their second. And I just want to point this out because I'm so rarely right. If we go back historically with my picks and my predictions for Toronto's picks, I in in 2020, we knew that they were going with uh, with Brissett, Dejan Brissett. That made sense, that too. But their second first round pick, they picked Theron Churchill. I had no idea. I had him in the fourth round. Uh, then they end up taking Peter Nicastro. Again, no clue. I was nowhere near that. Again, Adam is a third or fourth round guy. Last year, Gregor McKellar, same thing. Nowhere close to that. So I'm finally going to do a touchdown celebration dance at the fact that I picked receiver and long snapper with their first two picks. And it's documented, not just me telling you in the parking lot one day. Let's talk about this long snapper, JB. This... This wasn't a dire need for Toronto, but there, there, there aren't dire needs for the Argos. And so you start to look at where they can upgrade. And Max Latour, the current Toronto long snapper, while a very good long snapper, wasn't this coaching staff or this management team's choice per se. He was brought in in an emergency. Jake Reinhardt got injured and there's... A not a you know a, a long list of long snappers who are readily available. Max Latour was they brought him in. He performed admirably, but I believe this is a pretty big upgrade. Alum Gillamet, the long snapper from Holy Cross, he has the chance to be one of the best long snappers in the league. And these are guys that stick around for ten years. Sometimes they're long snappers. You just you leave them on your roster forever. They just don't age that way like other players do. So I think this is a huge pick in the third round. At the last pick of the third round, JB, what's your thought on taking a long snapper here? Yeah, I, I think it's the privilege of of a good team that you can pick for need, and you don't have to pick uh, best uh, 
best athlete available because you're you're filling in really kind of specific spots. It's 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 a nice advantage because there are teams that could definitely use him. Um, of course, except for uh, for Ottawa with their All Star long snapper. Um, but you know, most teams could probably use an upgrade, but they would feel hesitant to to use to pick because they they have other spots to fill. So. I think it speaks to the depth of the roster and, you know, just a smart functional pick um, to fill in one of the few, you know, one of the few boxes that had to be checked at this draft. Yeah. I love that you said that. That's the beauty of having a full roster like this is that you truly can go best player available and say like, what, you know, what, what's the best thing for us? We don't need it, but yeah, of course we can go shopping for a long snap here because we can. And the thing is, too, the, the reason I was stressed about this is that Edmonton took a long snapper in the same round. They took Luke Burton Cron, who I had ranked just below Adam Gillimat. I had him one spot below because to me, they're basically the same guy. I like Gillimat just a, a little bit more in terms of his snapping. I think Burton Cron as an athlete is amazing. He played at UBC and and he's like, you know, he he's potentially uh, a linebacker in this league. He's actually a really good football player, but he'll obviously focus as a long snapper. Adam Gillamette is only going to be a long snapper, but that's okay. That's what that position is to <laughs> I mean, me. If I, if I were an Edmonton fan, I would have more question marks about uh, about choosing a long snapper than than I do. Well, they need one as well. Like they Edmonton had so many picks too. Like they were they're all over the place. They're mentioned, you know, several times in in every round. That was a they had a pretty interesting draft. Uh and they weren't chalk, which is not going to surprise anybody. Uh Chris Jones does his thing and uh you know, had some I, I thought had some really nice picks, but I don't actually mind that long snapper pick for them, but I think Toronto came away with the better long snapper. And so, you know, I I'm excited for that and it's for Adam Gilmet, it's his. We're, we're talking too long about long snappers here, so I will wrap this up. There's there's only so long that you can entertain people on a podcast talking about long snappers. I apologize to special team coaches, including you, JB, but um, Gilmet absolutely fires that punt long snap back. It is like a rocket. It stands out. You, you know, we sat there watching a combine long snaps and, you know, you got one player after another, whether it was the invitational combine or guys doing it again at the national combine. Gilmet's long snap for punts is astonishingly good. And that's why I say he has the chance to be one of the best in the league. The field goal long snap is great, but the punt long snap really stands out and you'll see it you'll see it right away it looks different it is just it's it doesn't change levels like there's no there's no arc to it it is just a a laser beam Uh, and that gets me pretty excited and I don't typically get excited about special teams that has me excited about special teams so great pick as far as I'm concerned from the Argos Uh, let's move on to the fourth round this is a pick that I would criticize a little bit just because I didn't have him ranked this high, and that's uh, fullback tight end uh, Spencer Nichols out of Western. And I, I think, you know, for me, it's not that I don't think Spencer Nichols will be a good player. I, I do, but I had him ranked 62nd on my board. I felt like he would have been around there later. I thought there were other guys you could have taken. Now, what is there to like about him? Well, they're trying to fill the shoes of Declan Cross. They've got Mario Villamazar, who they brought in from BC, 
But that's a guy that can sort of, you know, groom Spencer Nichols, teach him the position, show him the ropes. Spencer Nichols is going to be able to come in right away and contribute on special teams. He's he's a big guy, 6'3", 215, hits like a truck. Western used him as sort of um, like a wing, like an H-back. So like, uh, you know, a, f- a couple feet off the line, just to the right or left of the of the tackle. And he would come flying across the line of scrimmage, kick out the opposing D end, and not just kick them out, but blast them into next week. He's a highly physical player. And so you could see him, even though Coach Dinwiddie doesn't really use the fullback tight end role that much, when he does, you can see him being uh, an asset. And he's going to be able to contribute this season on special teams. So a reach in my mind, I get it though, if that was their number one fullback, H-back type on the board, I get taking him here. Do you see it as a reach or are you happy with this pick? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I mean, um, it, it, it adds depth to a position. It gives them a little more camp competition at a position. Um, you, you know, I might've, uh, I might've, I might've gone for, for depth at, uh, uh, at offensive line here, um, still relatively early, but, um, I, I do love his violence. And, you know, I think that after, after like I, we, I said before, like after the third round, you're looking for people that have one exceptional skill. Um, at least that's my kind of philosophy is like if they have one exceptional thing about them, um, that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for well-rounded anymore. Well-rounded is is in the first and second round. So his 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 capability or his aggressive violence, um, I think, stands out. And so he's, you know, I'm all for giving people a shot who, who have that one thing. I I don't know, you know, he's, for, he's not going to run the ball very much, um, and I don't know why he didn't lift at uh, at the combine. Uh, but but the tape certainly shows that he, you know, I bet you his lift he had to have been injured because um, he certainly comes across as strong on film. Yeah, sometimes with those guys, it's it's weird because I think if you if you create enough of an impression of strength on your tape, then lifting sometimes can only hurt you. So I don't know what the story was with that exactly, but you know, I I think a guy like this, where you see you see him just annihilate defensive ends, and if you're doing that on tape, I think we can I think we can bypass the bench sometimes and say, okay, obviously this this kid's got enough strength. He's moving these defensive ends that are going to be drafted in the CFL guys he's going to be going up against and, and he's and, already doing that you know and I think also like you talk about how coach doesn't really use it a lot I we've talked about this you know maybe maybe a little more is good you know a little more a little more help um we don't necessarily have you know running backs who who are you know our running backs need a step or two right like they're not lightning so you know maybe a little fullback action to give them that extra step, um, you know, maybe that's something that they're looking to incorporate more. And it would be probably from an H-back spot, not like a traditional fullback spot, I wouldn't think. But yeah, he, he certainly helps in the run game. Like that's how Western used him was in the run game. Occasionally you'd see him uh, leak out into the flats for a pass, but it was a rarity. He was a weapon running the ball. Western, that was sort of their thing. Like they're between their, their offensive line, which we've already talked about, and and their their tanks uh, at running back that was that was their game plan <laughs> and so i mean i i love that you know like like for me 
um, defensively. I I hate a team that's beating up on the ends, especially if you have somebody who's a little lighter outside for 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 pass rush, and you're 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 forcing them to to take on take on a physical block and then take on a physical receiver. That's that's going to slow a guy down by the time you get to the fourth quarter. Yeah, I agree. And and again, he's a guy that's going to make the roster. So here we are, last pick in the fourth round. Spencer Nichols will make the roster. And we talked about that in our draft special last week, JB. In the CFL, there's such a low number of picks that hit, a low number of guys that get playing time, that dress, that are taken in the CFL draft. It's it's shockingly low. And for the Argos to get through round four and have you and I believe that all of these guys to this point are going to be dressing on game day is a pretty big win, I think. Yep. Now, you talked about maybe looking for O-line depth with that last pick of round four instead of Spencer Nichols. And and I agree with you. That's probably where I would have gone too. But what worked out really well for the Argos, and they had no way of knowing that it would at this point, nobody took an offensive lineman between that pick at 36 (laughs) at the last pick of round four and their next pick when they did take an offensive lineman. So clearly, Edward Paradis, who is uh, their pick at 45 offensive lineman at a Houston Baptist. He clearly was their next available lineman. So if they had taken a lineman in Spencer Nichols spot, it would have been Edouard Paradis. So it worked out well in the end. It seemingly they could do no wrong here, but it was a gamble. They couldn't have known for sure it would work out that way. But let's talk about Edward Paradis. This is the first, he's the first player that I, I won't guarantee We'll, we'll make this roster, but I feel pretty good about it. So he's at a Houston Baptist, uh, 6'4", 320, pretty, pretty good size and strength. This, this is uh, a guard. I think he's only going to play guard. I don't think he's looking anywhere else. But he played guard, started at guard, in fact, on both sides. He was a right guard in his junior season and his senior season played at left guard. And he's good enough to immediately compete with Gregor McKellar. Now, I don't expect McKellar to actually be starting this season. I think this is probably going to be Ryan Hunter and Bladek. I think they're probably going to be the guards. But if Toronto did decide that they like how Ryan Hunter has come along as a tackle, maybe he beats out Isaiah Cage in, in camp. He ends up being that left tackle. Now suddenly you're looking at at Parody and McKellar battling it out for the starting guard spot, and we know McKellar can play already. And Parody is not a downgrade from McKellar. These guys are on a very similar level. So I actually really like this pick for the potential it gives you to really be flexible with that position. And you know we haven't even talked about like Darius Sirocco and other guys they they added in the offseason, but just that pick alone I think really opens some doors. So I like that at the end of at the end of round was that now round five and I had him as my 23rd ranked player overall so he's a guy I really liked I projected him as a third round player and here they are with the last pick in round five taking Paradis so that's that's again it's hard for me to criticize when I would have taken him a couple rounds earlier yeah and you know his for me his his one standout skill is his size (laughs) um his size is um you know whatever percentile uh high percentile you know he he is an enormous human being um so you know i know that you can't coach size often turns out to backfire 
when the person you take is really big and can't do anything, but you can't coach size. And, uh, you know, that, that fits, checks the box for a flyer. You take somebody with, you know, with that measurable and, uh, you know, hopefully you can, uh, you can t- turn them into something because they certainly have great strength and great size. Uh, I like it. And add in 22 reps on the bench. That's not bad. Yeah, I know. Love it. You know, I mean, uh, I like it, you know, I like the adding to the depth and I like, uh, you know, I like that choice there too. I like, I like choosing somebody who, who, who clearly has some elite, um, elite measurables and, uh, you know, let's, let's see, let's see what their footwork is like when they get into camp. So round six comes along, JB. They have two picks in round six. Uh, pick 47 overall. They got in the trade with Edmonton from last season. This, I, I kind of felt like this was going to happen as we hit round six. I've had this, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, people have criticized me for my grade of Richard Burton, wide receiver <laughs> from Queens, who was picked uh, by the Argos, 47th overall, round six. I had him as 46 on my board. So he got picked 47. So you can't say that I was wrong in ranking him there. But everybody I've talked to since the Combine and everyone I've talked to at the Combine, everyone I've talked to afterwards had Richard Burton ranked way higher than I had. People had it. People had him. I heard him mentioned in second round conversations, third round conversations. I didn't personally see it on film. But I seem to be the only one. Everybody loves Richard Burton. Now, I'll tell you what I saw in Richard Burton, a player I like. I had him 46, but to me, he's a special teams player. I don't see him getting meaningful reps as a receiver. I know his tape looks different than his testing. Like he does, when you watch his tape, he looks fast. He looks, he's open a lot. Uh, But I, I just... I don't really see, you look at his, as his, his measurables, they don't really jump out. But what I do like for him is I think he's an immediate special teams contributor again. And that's somewhere they focused. The Argos special teams struggled last year. And Burton's a guy that is going to bring immediate toughness. He's got some, some size to him. Like he's, you know, six feet, uh, 183. It's not, he's not huge, but he's solidly built and he's way more aggressive than you typically get from the receiver position. So he'd be a guy that I think will contribute or at least challenge to contribute right away. And for a, a sixth round pick, if you've got that going on and picked one spot later than I had him ranked, the guy that was maybe toughest on him of everyone that ranked players for this draft, I can't really complain about the pick. <laughs> no, he kind of checked my Kelowna box. Uh, I knew once Burton was chosen that that ended the Kelowna dream um, for me for the Argos. Um, yeah, he's 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 clearly, you know, um, a, a great locker room guy, um, a positive energy. You bring him in, you know, you're you're going to get one one hundred percent energy, one hundred percent effort. Uh, four six seven is a decent forty. Um, you know, 13 lifts is, is, is good strength for a wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. He is special teams for sure. Um, worth a look. I think anytime you can bring a good guy into camp, you should always try and do that. So, you know, I'm, I, I, I think the, the pick makes sense. He doesn't, he doesn't have, I mean, we're getting a little lower now, so it's going to be harder to find people with, you know, with a standout, uh, measurable, uh, but, 
clearly everybody who who talks about him talks about him as being um a terrific leader and a terrific person so i think you you inject that into the you inject that into the camp and that can only help keep intensity up keep keep the uh the competition level up so i it, make, it makes sense but i you know i'm i i wouldn't say i'm excited about the pick but it, it's fine everyone else is excited but it's just it seems <laughs> to just be us but like everybody loves richard burton so uh, yeah. and of course you know you, you gotta love the name so um uh, you know there's uh there's that at least uh you know yeah. nothing else I mean, works we'll, out we'll see how, how we'll see wide receiver if he lays stick as a special teamer i'd have to say my defensive bias raises an eyebrow uh, I that's that's the thing I swear he can do and again um at that spot I think it's pretty good and like I said no one has a bad word to say about him so yeah let's see it with yeah, the we'll last see. pick of the sixth round the Argos took uh, another guy that I projected to them this uh, this is uh this is such a rarity JB uh, I feel on Yemen on Yemenem, which is gonna trip me up I know at least a few times this season uh, I feel you and I both had a chance to coach against uh you know he he played at, at St. Rock, went to Football North, uh, ended up at Wilfrid Laurier. The reason I projected him as an Argos draft pick is not for his linebacker play. He played middle linebacker largely at Wilfrid Laurier and was highly effective there. He looks great as a CAS linebacker. He's not going to be a positional player as far as I can see right now in the CFL. So he's 6'1", 215. Because of some of his measurable limitations, he really only can play Mac in my mind. I don't think he has the speed or the coverage ability to play the other linebacker spots. And he's just not big enough at Mac. And he doesn't really have the frame to add a lot of weight here either. And so he's one of those guys and every CFL roster has a few of them who will be dressed as a Mac or Will linebacker but really their job is to be a special teams ace. And that is something he can do extremely well. At the Combine in Edmonton, they didn't run a ton of special teams drills, but they ran some. And he stood out more than any other player at the National Combine. And it was for his ability to pump return block. JB, remind us how well the Argos pump return blocked last season. Well, not not particularly well. Um, <laughs> you described yeah. it more colorfully in the past. Yeah, well, I mean, oof, that's a pretty uh, micro skill to to make the squad. He he, he better block a punt in in the, the exhibition season. No, but I mean, like on the return game, not just not in getting in there, but. You remember last year how we put returners back out there seemingly every week with the ability to take it to the house. And every week, if you push pause on your TV, right when the kick returner caught the football, there were four Montreal Alouettes or whoever the team is they're playing and no sign of an Argo blocking them. They had the absolute worst part return blocking in the CFL last season. They just got yeah, every was, single week. They well, the, I mean, the returner got trucked. Didn't didn't turn out the matter. <laughs> no, well they won the Great Cup, but no, despite yeah. that. But but they're you know it, it's just frustrating knowing that you've got skilled return guys back there. Like there are guys that can do it. The excitement of of Leek and Hadel and all these other guys, Hadel, I keep saying that wrong. And 
and yet they could not get any space for him. And then you you know look down the road at, at every other team, the Chandler Worthies and the Mario Alfreds, all these former Argos. And it's not like those guys have a skill that the Toronto return guys don't, but they just, they had blocking and Toronto didn't. And Ify, for, you know, whatever his failings may be as a middle linebacker, man, he is a great blocker on special teams. He hustles his butt off to get downfield. And he has this, this gift to be able to kind of work to get in front of the guy he's blocking. It's really hard to do in so much space like that. It's one of the hardest things to do in the CFL game is to be able to even come from a losing position and actually gain ground, get downfield in front of your guy and execute a block. It takes an extreme amount of athleticism and most guys can't do it. There was seemingly nobody on the Argos last year that could do it at all. And so to bring Ifeon Yeneman in here who can do that, who is the best in this entire draft class, in my opinion, at that skill, I think that gets him on this roster. Um, you think so, eh? Yeah, I do. Over Sir Richard Burton? <laughs> well, I don't know, but he's got, Burton's got a different skill set too. Like Burton's not going to be doing that job. You, um, you get like a 32-person special team <laughs> squad. But, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe a couple of these guys... They're going to need I, their I own would, bus. They, they will. I would take... Uh, let me just see where did I have Ify ranked here because it was higher than Burton. Yeah, I had, well, it was one spot higher. I had Ify ranked forty fifth and Burton ranked forty sixth, so they're both like right there for me. But it's because I viewed them both as special teams guys who were CFL quality special teams guys, but not positional players, and that's why they, you know, based on my formula, that's why they ended up in the exact same spot here. So. So that makes sense, but yeah, I I see him I, I see him making the squad for that ability alone. If what, not, what do you what do you for, make of the eight lists? So not not to not to become obsessed with with how many lists guys have. But, but again, like I I don't like if he were if he were supposed to be a middle linebacker, then yeah, I'd have serious concerns. But he's not like he's just not going to play. He's not going to be a positional player. And every CFL team has a handful of these guys that dress every week. And there's never any way that they're going to see the field unless there's some sort of disaster. And I see that with Ify. I think that's going to be, and again, I don't want to, it sounds like I'm saying he, he can't play football and that's not at all the case. He was an outstanding linebacker at Laurier. He was, he's an, a high level athlete, but he is not the same. He doesn't have the same build as the Max in the CFL and he doesn't have the same speed as the, as the Wills or obviously the Sams in the CFL. So so that's just not going to be his role. But but he knows that. And the reason you can tell he knows that is that he was absolutely firing it up on special teams drills at the combine. He knew that that was going to be his foot in the door is running those running those drills. And man, he ran them. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's a really nice pick. Again, we're talking last pick of round six. Yeah. And I, th- I, and I, think, I think he makes the roster. I think it's probably between him and Sir Richard Burton. I don't think they both make it. I know you have a, a special teams bus, but I do, and I, I and I have Ify as one pick higher. So I guess in my mind it would be him if it's one of the two. But I think they both got a shot at it. All right, we'll see. So last pick of round seven, their second last pick of the draft. This was an interesting one too, and I was wondering when he would go off the board. And this is a player I didn't I didn't actually put on my board because I didn't know what to do with him. This is uh, Brendan Murphy. DB out of Western. And the reason I didn't have him on my board is because he injured his ACL and required surgery. 
so he wasn't able to test. He will not be able to start the season. And I think based on his timeline to return, I know, I think it was, I think it was JC Abbott from, from Three Down Nation. And I'm sorry if it was John Hodges, one of the two of them, but I think it was JC who had, um, who had Murphy's return date as being September of this season at the earliest. And I just look at how the Argos have treated knee injuries in the past. We looked last year at Peter Nicastro, for example. He was back and practicing and ready to go, but they decided to wait on it. And I think it'll probably be the same thing with with Brendan Murphy, especially being a rookie. I think if he's ready to go in September, October, they probably just sit him for the year and he comes to camp next year. But the reason this is such a huge steal is we're talking about round seven where nobody that's not really fair either. So few people drafted in round seven make CFL rosters. It just doesn't happen a lot. And Murphy, while he probably won't be available to the Argos this season, at least not for most of it, is one of the better DBs in this class. And a safety at that where the Argos have kind of you know invested their their uh, position uh, as a national player. So if he can come in next season with a year of strength training, a year of understanding the program under his belt, a fully healthy and recovered ACL, I think he's got a real shot for serious playing time next season based on his play at Guelph and then Western. He's a really good player. He's a really good safety, big, hard hitting uh, loves contact, uh, a player that any defensive coordinator would look at and fall in love with. So it's a pick for next year. But again, the Argos are the team that had the luxury of doing this. The other teams didn't. And that's why Brendan Murphy makes sense to me at the end of round seven. Yeah, absolutely. I think other than choosing, uh, you know, a guy who's who's taking his shot down in the NFL, um, p- picking an injured player here um, is absolutely the right pick um, to, you know, to just put them, put them on the shelf. And uh, like you say, get them on the strength program, get them in his playbook. Um, and then all of a sudden you've basically added a second round pick next year. And if you want like a, a comparison too, like Robert Panabaker, who's another player that, that I really liked as well. He's, he, you know, he played, he played in that same secondary uh, with Murphy at Western and he was taken, he's healthy, and he was taken in round five, 40th overall to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I think Murphy's a better player between the two of them. So Panabaker's healthy, and that's why he got taken in round five, 40th overall. A, you know, to lose a year for the Argos who don't need a Canadian defensive back this season from this draft in round seven, 23 picks later uh, for what, who I think is a better player, a better defensive back. Yeah, that's, that's a big win for Toronto. JB, let's get into the last round and not just the last round, the very last pick of the draft. And I'm going to give you a moment to stand on your soapbox here, JB, because I know not to call this player Mr. Irrelevant uh, because it is something that <laughs> drives you up the wall. Please take a well, minute on your soapbox. Talk to me not, about this it's term. Not a, it's not a CFL issue. It was uh, just uh, <laughs> this will be interesting for, for no one. A, a minor thing that I rage about, which is when the CFL, when the NFL draft was 12 rounds, the last pick was known as Mr. Irrelevant. But now the NFL draft is seven rounds. So they can't possibly call the last person picked Mr. Irrelevant. 
when you you're you've cut five rounds of picks whoever you pick at the end of the seventh round is incredibly relevant um so it drives me bonkers they use that term without ever referencing that yes indeed at the end of the 12th round you would definitely be mr irrelevant but to use it now is idiotic and one of the people with that title on the argos uh of course is chad kelly who was the last <laughs> player taken well of course in the and, the, and the, the san francisco the niners quarterback of course these guys turn out to be good it's it's only seven rounds. Right. There's, there's no reason, you know, and then there are, you know, hundreds of undrafted free agents. The fact that you got drafted suggests that you are uh, incredibly talented. And that, you know, so get out of here with that, with that uh, Mr. Irrelevant nonsense. So let's talk about Mr. Relevant, Anthony oh, nice transition. Vandal. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, this is a nice pick too. So Anthony Vandal... Uh, Sherbrooke, offensive lineman, 6'3", 290. He, I, I think, is worth a gamble here. He was an all-star for three seasons in Quebec, and that that means something. This is good football they play out there. The reason he dropped this far is that he only played tackle for Sherbrooke. What are they? The Vere or Sherbrooke Vere or. And he's not going to be a tackle in the CFL. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the quickness to be a tackle in the CFL. He really should be a center. And if not a center, a guard, but he really should be a center. Now, he's on that path. At the combine, I saw him snapping. He, he was actually, his snaps are actually pretty good. But there's more to playing center when you play tackle your whole life than just getting the ball to the quarterback. And that's going to take some time. It, he's not going to be ready this season to play center. But that's, again, that's okay. Toronto doesn't need him this season. But if he does nothing but work on that skill and really prepare himself to be, you know, the next center of, of the Toronto Argonauts or at least a backup center for the Toronto Argonauts, he's got some competition with Braden Knoll. Uh, you know, you've got Sirocco in there too. But talking about down the road, talking about next season, I think he's got some real opportunities. There's guys he can learn behind. But this is a guy that knows how to block a man in front of him. You don't get nominated as a three-time all-star in Quebec without having some skill on the offensive line. So for the last pick in the draft, he is certainly relevant, JB. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, my that's always my default is to, to draft up there um, because it is the position. I know we had so many last year, but it's a position you can never have enough of. Um to, you know, you just you just constantly um, scratch and win there because if you can if you can hit on a couple of guys who can be you know who can be swing tackles for you or um, you know can can contribute, um, they're worth their weight in gold. So absolutely, that that's the position that you should take the most swings at. And there's still a bunch of guys left that I think would make interesting free agents if they can if they can get a couple of them. I don't think Eric Colonna ended up going in that last round. I don't think he got drafted. And that's I don't a guy think that, so. Yeah, that's a guy that I would certainly, you know, you and I both really like him and I you know, I uh, I'm just looking through here. No, he didn't he didn't end up going. And you know, we talked about him last week as as being a contributor, just a guy that coaches would fall in love with. A guy like that is certainly someone, especially an Ontario-based guy like that. Certainly, someone I would invite to camp and see what he can do. But there, yeah, there are a number there's of certainly guys. room on the special teams bus for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If not on on the safety position spot, but yeah, he'd be 
he'd be uh, in one of the one of the front seats on the special teams bus for sure because that is, <laughs> is that, that good i don't know if that's good or bad i don't know he's he's a contributor it's also you know <laughs> two in the morning here so you yeah. know I, I no longer know what 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 it is we're talking about but uh, yeah no i mean I, I you know i i i concur you know with uh you know when you look at it, i don't i don't think you know, I, I don't think the bar was very high. I think this was a very, I mean, that's the, that's the position the Argos are in. I think it would be, to be honest, I think it would be hard to to screw up the draft because, you know, when when your team is pretty good, you can't really screw up the draft. Like, you know, like it's 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 hard to because you don't have gaping holes that you're mad were not filled. Um, but, you know, I, I do have to take my hat off. I mean, it is very... You know, they they clearly have um, a great strategy when it comes to what they're looking for in their players. And it's a very organized. Um, I mean, I think I think being and I'll, I'll end on this. I think being predictable in the draft is an incredible achievement. We talked about that years ago about, you know, there being a, you know, that's an Argo. You know, that's what you're striving for. I think that if you, with all the work that you've done, can spot guys that jump out at you as Argos, then that's a tremendous compliment to the franchise that they're not, you know, poor franchises, you can never guess who they're going to pick because who knows what they're thinking. Um, So I think that's really good that they're predictable. I think that's, it's very hard to become predictable. Um, at a draft so I mean kudos to you for for getting those right but also like that's a great sign that that you could you could identify the the wavelength that they are looking at the draft through well you complimenting me is a great way to end the show JB this is uh this is a maybe not a first but uh well it is very late Yes, I know. I know you have and not I have, had a lot I have of to sleep get up and stand in the rain tomorrow at practice so let's wrap it up all right well we will do just that and just before we go i i think uh, you know just going forward and to add on what you said i think next year will be a real test for the argos because of that sort of double cohort 2020 2021 there are a lot of and this goes for all seattle teams but there are going to be a lot of players whose contracts expire at the end of the season and that is going to make it very tough for every team in the CFL who suddenly will find themselves short of Canadians and especially Canadian starters. And so we will put the Argos draft skill to the test, but that is for another year. We will leave that for now. JB, again, uh, thank you for, for staying up with us. And, uh, you know, thank you for your analysis and, and your hard work in this draft too. And that's not something that... Um, that I want to leave this episode without saying, because, <laughs> you know, you know, you, you may not have been with me in Edmonton. You may not have put in quite as many hours, but you've <laughs> oh, certainly, God, no. you God, certainly no. looked this through and, you know, you know what you're talking about in this draft. So it was great to be able to walk through this with you. For JB, this has been Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the foe, foe.